Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I sit down with Rebecca Mars. Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. Rebecca is a lifestyle coach for the conscious yet overcommitted, helping them to be more balanced and connected in their mind, body, soul, and life. She's also a certified yoga instructor and personal trainer, and she's been teaching and training now for over a decade and recently began leading yoga teacher trainings. So she um, said in her free time, she literally enjoys walks on the beach and she lives in Florida. So if anyone is down in the Florida area, um, that's where you can find Rebecca. Um, We had such a great conversation. We have a lot in common. Uh, We're both yoga teachers, personal trainers, and then have um, a coaching business as well. She really loves teaching the yoga philosophy side of things. So we chat about what to do if women feel like they're burning the candles at both ends, what to do, um, you know, or how to take yoga off your mat and exactly what that means. And then, um, you know, how she blends fitness, yoga, and her teachings um, all in her sessions with clients as well. So um, I really hope you guys enjoy today's interview. She was such a fun guest to have on. So I cannot wait for you guys to tune in to our interview today. Welcome to the Peaceful Power podcast. Today I have Rebecca Mars on with me. And I'm excited because I have not had a a yoga teacher on yet this year. And she's also a personal trainer. So um, we have a lot in common and I'm excited to kind of get to know Rebecca. But first, I want to know a little bit more about you, Rebecca, and tell us about your fitness journey and how you got into the wellness space. All right. Well, thanks for having me. And I think we do have so much in common. So this is going to be fun. Basically, my whole life I've been into movement and I kind of kid that I don't know where I got it because neither of my parents were athletic or really into anything physical like that. They're very healthy people, but I don't know. I remember making obstacle courses in my backyard as a kid. I played every sport out there, like dabbled in everything. Um, But through the years, just movement was constant for me. I started running on my own. I actually was in high school track for maybe half a season and quit. But I have been running since I was like 14 or 15 years old. And um, so that's been this steady thread all along. And when I went to college, I have an English degree. But throughout, I was constantly still like enjoying this freedom of being able to go to the fitness center. And I was working out all the time. And I also kid that I probably should have studied exercise science or something along those lines, but whatever. So when I graduated, I returned home and I had been working this summer at a Gold's gym and I realized I really want to be a personal trainer, but I had this English degree. So I got a big kid job. Um, like I thought I should cubicle life nine to five. And then immediately within like the first month of having that, I hurried back to the gym. I said, I really want to become a personal trainer. So I started the process then and I lasted in that cubicle job about not even a year and I landed in a teacher training for yoga and how that happened was purely coincidental. I grew up, however, with yoga parents. I was exposed to a lot of different cultural, spirituality, things like that growing up. I was going to yoga with my mom. Even when I was like five years old, I was teaching my fellow Montessori students taking in my yoga VHS and trying to show them how to do (laughs) yoga. I was reminded of that a few years ago. So it was just this other constant thread for me, um, yoga. And even in college, I would find these like classes full of old women and I would go to them. I was always the youngest person in the the yoga classes. So that was something constant. And when this training landed at my gym, 
the people there were like, well, you have to do this. Why aren't you going to do a yoga training? Like you're our yoga girl. And I really had never thought of teaching yoga. So there I was at the end of the first weekend, I did a weekend program for my 200 hour yoga training and I was bawling my eyes out, realized I had to quit the cubicle job. <laughs> and as they say, the rest is history. I started teaching yoga. I still kept that cubicle job for another like five months or so. And then I just couldn't take it anymore. My friend wanted to open a yoga studio and I took the leap and that was about 10 years ago. So I've been personal training and teaching yoga as my thing for um, about 10 years. I've had a few side jobs here and there. Um, but yeah, and then about three years ago, I realized what I really loved was talking to people about the wellness, the well-being, the mindfulness. Even with personal training clients, these conversations would happen where I realized I was sharing yoga philosophy in the fitness setting. And then my business was burst of yoga-based coaching. And here we are. <laughs> Oh my gosh, our stories are very similar. Like I listened to yours, I was like, oh my goodness, yes. Um, I can totally relate to that. And having like I lasted at a desk job for maybe three months, I think it was. Because <laughs> I was a manager of a fitness gym uh very, very briefly. And I was like, I cannot do this. Like I but sitting. And um I also was a teacher for a few years too, and that was a little bit better because more movement. But um I love that, like just the yoga and the personal training and that you never even thought to like go into yoga with parents who were into yoga, you know, that's, <laughs> that to me is like mind blowing. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about kind of the upbringing with like your parents and, you know, your exposure to yoga at a young age? Cause I think that's really, I mean, especially, you know, growing up cause you're probably about the same age as me. Like that was something I was not on my radar until I was in college. I didn't even know what yoga was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, something that I'm really grateful for now that I'm in my 30s and looking back, you're right. It totally was like the hippy dippy thing to do basically <sighs> at the time. And I was from, a, I'm from a small town in the middle of Missouri where you had a college town about 15 minutes away. And that's where we would go in. I would go in with my mom, even through high school, I think is when we were consistently going to yoga. But you know, growing up, like any kid, we'd go on vacations. They'd drive me to these museums and take me to everything as cultural that we could. And I wouldn't want to go, but <laughs> at the same time, I think there was a fascination in it because, you know, it, it was something that still really stuck with me and helped to mold me into who I am now. And it was, it was so normal to me and living also very holistically. We had mm -hmm. a garden. I was the kid with the, you know, natural peanut butter on my whole wheat bread sandwiches. I was so embarrassed as a child. I just wanted white bread and the, the nasty peanut butter, you know, and but now it's like, thank goodness, I'm, I'm so, so, so proud of the way I was raised and I can, I can own it. But it took a while and especially going through high school and going into yoga and being in small town Missouri. And I don't think a lot of people knew that I even did that at the time, but we would go. And again, I'd be like the teenager in the class of 40 plus year old women. And, uh, <laughs> and but it, it, I just trust that it happened for whatever reason. And it was just there. And even when I entered my 500 hour program and I was reflecting a lot on my journey and writing these essay like answers as to why I wanted to do a, a higher level training. I was taken back through, through all of this, like this conversation we're having. And all I could think of was that yoga, it was the constant throughout my whole life. And even my mom, this is the other piece that I, I should share that I was born seven weeks early on a blue moon, which is kind of cool. Cause when we're recording this, there's a blue moon right now. And, uh, I was born, early with a blue moon and my middle name is actually blue moon, Rebecca, blue oh. moon, Catherine Mars. 
So that was another layer of my upbringing where it was like, oh no, my last name's Mars, my middle name's Blue Moon. Like kids, if they even knew my middle name, I would at least get kitted for Mars, you know. But my mom was doing yoga with her uh, friends at a friend's house the night I was born early with the Blue Moon. So I also kid that I was born like via yoga. Um, so that yeah, I, amazing. I, I feel like it's just my dharma, you know, my, my mission, my purpose on this planet. Oh, well, one thing that I want to ask too about growing up um, with like more holistic parents, because I have run into this, um, you know, just in talking with clients and they're like, do you think, you know, people are taught that, you know, if we really push like no sugar and, you know, adapting some of maybe these more holistic things with our kids, that they will rebel when they get a little bit older. Did you find that to be true for yourself or were you always kind of, you know, just kind of fascinated or drawn to this as you got older? Ooh, that's a really good question. Uh, and it's interesting because I haven't really talked about this with many people. So mm. some secrets being told here. <laughs> I, the way that you put that question, I did. I did rebel a little bit. Uh, I was an only child. I am an only child as well. So when I went to college about two hours away and even during high school, I did have that phase of wanting to drink the diet sodas and mm. get all this sugar-free crap and really test the other end of the spectrum because yes, I grew up, but at the same time I had McDonald's as a kid. They didn't totally deprive me. So it wasn't that environment. I had milk that was not like the, the best milk ever, but you know, 20 years ago, it was a much cleaner product. So mm -hmm. a lot of that too has changed. So if we're talking about modern parenting, it's, I'm sure it's shifted and there's more reasons to be sensitive, but, um, but I definitely have to agree with you that for me personally, it was a little bit of rebellion. And even in college, I remember getting like diet Mountain Dew in the cafeteria. Like, sorry, mom and dad, but <laughs> I would like fill up my water bottle with it. And, but then, you know, sometimes I'd like mix an emergency in there. Like it was just so bizarre. Some of the stuff I was doing, but it, it became a little twisted too, just being into fitness. And I know I've listened to some of the other interviews where I'm just talking about the body piece of fitness. And, mm. and that's where yoga can really fill the void that can, the fitness world can be something that's a little delusional where it's fitness. It's not necessarily wellness or health. And so doing like zero calorie and all the, the weird processed foods that aren't, aren't really foods. I, I bought all that stuff around, around that same time. And, and that could be because of rebelling. I'm not totally positive that was why, but it did happen for me. And that could be also why. Yeah. That's something that I, you know, I find fascinating because I have, um, you know, they're like, are you letting your son have sugar or what's your stance? And I'm like, you know, I, I personally, if, you know, I'm not excluding that from his diet, it's not like I'm pumping him full of sugar by any means, but I'm like, I've worked with clients who, you know, did rebel and they were in their rebellious period when they maybe came to me. But then eventually I always tell them, I'm like, but they always go back typically is what I find is, mm -hmm. you know, they go back to how they grew up. And so I, you know, it's what I tell, you know, some of my clients who are like, I don't want to be too extreme you know, and I'm like, you know, from what my, my personal experience, you know, is most people will gravitate towards those habits that were ingrained when they were little. And, um, you know, that's why it is so important as a parent, you know, to provide those habits cause they do actually stick. And most people find those, um, you know, comfort foods almost too, because you're like, Oh, this is what I'm used to. This is what I remember when I was 10. Like for us, we had a lot of hot dish. And so, mm -hmm. you know, for me, I'm like, how can I make hot dish a little bit healthier? Because every once in a while, like you just want that, you know, kind of home feeling again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually really cool. I hadn't 
thought of it that way either of people going back, but I, I can totally attest that that's, that's me. And I do find myself now going back to the, or I've been eating organic for a while and dabbling in, you know, the natural peanut butter, the stuff I mentioned before. And it does have this connection to childhood that I couldn't, um, I probably wouldn't have shared that if you wouldn't have brought it up, but you know, thank you for sharing. Yeah. I, I think that's, it is so mainstream now of talking about kids and I don't have any children, but I have clients with children and the conversation does come up a lot and it's all about balance, right? It's just that whole spectrum. And I do know those parents that are, and I think most people know, but when you deprive a body of dairy or whatever it is, if there's not a true allergy, I mean, you, you are creating an allergy and that's where I am proud to say that I had McDonald's growing up and I had candy (laughs) and we had Breyer's ice cream and, you know, we, we get this stuff and, and you just don't have it all the time. And yes. that's a whole other conversation. But I do think that it's not a bad thing to have some sugar and have some caffeine and have some gluten unless you're totally allergic. But yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Because then you're not as drawn to it, I don't think either. But like mm-hmm. at a friend's house, because you're like, oh, well, I can have that too. It's not like a, oh, I need to eat all of it at a friend's house because I'm not going to get it at home type of thing. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I want to talk about too, since you are fitness and yoga, and you talked a little bit about it when you were kind of um, introducing yourself. And I want to know how you kind of blend the two. So do you do, you know, mostly coaching now or do you do a little training, a little yoga? Or what does that look like for you? Yeah, I started, like I mentioned, in fitness because it was more accessible. It was, all right, I'll buy the book to become a personal trainer. I always was working in a gym and it's a little bit more cookie cutter. You know, you can get it done and start being a personal trainer. And then with yoga especially the way I feel about it. It is such a whole other thing of deciding which program to go through and how you want to teach and where you want to teach and who you are as a yoga teacher. There's a lot of, a lot of good, beautiful weight that you carry with that title, I feel. So when I blend the two, it depends on who I'm working with, but it definitely started working in a gym and using the yoga as this extra thing that I could include for folks. And I think when I first began, now that I'm racking my memory, I would do things like having a client hold a yoga pose, but then use dumbbells to do some bicep curls. So there's that literal yoga plus fitness thing physically. Um, And then it started to evolve more where I would give the option. You know, I also, I'm a yoga instructor. Would you like to include yoga in your sessions? And it would start to blend like that for certain folks. And then, like I mentioned, I realized as I was diving more into yoga philosophy and, and learning even more and more myself personally, how much I loved applying it to modern folks and letting them realize that the conversations we were having while we were doing push-ups and lat pull downs and things were actually rooted in yoga. And then that really sparks their interest and they realize that yoga is more accessible than they realize. Um, and then sometimes folks would actually want a whole session of yoga or, Hey, next time, like, let's, let's do more of whatever low back stretch we were doing that happened to be a yoga pose. So it started to just become this hybrid style of training. And through the years, about four years ago, I moved to Florida. And when that happened, I stopped personal training in a facility. And now I do have some Skype and FaceTime clients where I, I do it remotely. And even with those folks, they have dumbbells and things at home, but I'm not training in a gym right now, but I do infuse some yoga at the beginning and the end. And then I also have separate yoga clients So it's become an optional thing now. I think um, if I were to say what I do, personal training is still up there. And if people need it, I love knowing that I have it in my back pocket. But 
I'm meeting more and more clients. It just seems like they're gravitating towards me that they want the yoga and they're coming to yoga for health reasons, for balance reasons, for all the reasons that even if they've been working out in a gym for years, they're not fully there yet. And they've, I've even had personal trainers at local gyms now refer people to me because they're like, we don't know yoga. This person, I can work them out all day, but they actually need yoga for X, Y, and Z. So that's sort of the evolution. And then my coaching is also more of what I focused on more recently because of the accessibility, you know, podcasts, virtual world is just kind of running the show these days. So if I can help people from wherever they are on a phone call and a Skype session, that's really been fun for me to explore. And if they happen to want to do some exercise and we can do that too, but um, yeah, it's just this whole intertwined thing right now. <laughs> mm. I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the same evolution that I've been going through too. So that's why I was curious. Cause I was like, Oh yep, That sounds very similar to what I've been doing. <laughs> so I can relate to that. Um, and it's always like a, cause I know there's some trainers and yoga teachers who listen to, and if, you know, people are like, well, how do we kind of get out of maybe the, you know, always seeing people in person to online. And, you know, it's just kind of from my experience, it's just a slow build. And it's like, you know, it's not, it's not always a fast transition, but you know, just keep sticking with it and keep putting those offerings out there. Do you have any other solid advice for people who are maybe looking to transition more online? Online can be tricky. Um, I did invest in a business coach for a couple years because unless you have a ton of clients that just trust you and they want to work with you virtually, you have to be out in the virtual world getting clients. So mm -hmm. that requires foundation of business. And even if you think you know business and you've been working like in a gym or whatever, it's a whole new world, I think, online. So I'd say get, get support no matter what you're trying to do. And even now, I've, I've worked with different coaches. I had a business coach for two years, and I had like a business money coach for part of last year. And now I'm working more again with um, a, a basic life coach right now. So there's just this constant support that I'm receiving that then shows up in whatever I'm trying to do, whether it's trying to get more virtual clients or put myself out there. So I think the, the strongest advice is to get support and Know that you don't need to do it all yourself. When I started, I had this idea that any video I put on YouTube, anything I sent my clients, I wanted to be the person recording it. it I needed to create the recipe and make the, take the picture. And I've learned to rely on all these other incredible bloggers and websites out there and just to cross promote and trust that you don't have to be able to do it all, um, even if you can do it all. So not being ashamed, I'm a perfectionist and yeah. it took a lot for me to be okay with like, you know what, I'm just going to toss this recipe in here, even though it's not my own personal picture or type up and, and leave it at that. So <laughs> yes. yeah, get support and utilize other people because there are so many people doing the online thing. I don't think it's an ecosystem. I don't think anyone needs to try to outdo anybody else. I think it's more about supporting each other. Mm, yes, I completely agree with that. Um, and I want to talk kind of uh, along those lines about, you know, it's a very yoga concept. And I think sometimes when we think about, you know, yoga, we think, oh, it's yoga asana, we're doing it on our mat, and then we're done with the class. But how can you take yoga off of your mat and into your life? Like, what are some tips for people who are like, I'm going to yoga, but I'm not really maybe experiencing the full benefits of yoga? Ah, my favorite topic. <laughs> uh, yes, that's really, you know, I've been teaching for 10 years, like I said, and it's become really clear to me that 
you're either a yoga teacher or a yoga guide when you're mm. in a yoga class setting. And there are more and more yoga guides out there, especially as yoga is like the biggest booming industry right now. There are so many yoga teachers out there and it's not a bad thing. I actually am really excited that that's what's happening right now. However, when people are getting into yoga, I just advise them to try out different instructors, which I think I've heard you say too before. And trust that it takes some searching sometimes to find the right voice to listen to. So that's the first part of even getting to a yoga class. But then if you find yourself just going through that routine of I'm going to yoga, I'm going to yoga, I'm getting in my car, putting on my yoga pants, I spent a hundred dollars on them. Like you're getting into this whole thing of like what yoga is showing up as in this Western world we're living in. Mm -hmm. And I think there's still a lot of disconnect to what's actually beneath the surface of the postures. So to me, what it looks like taking yoga off the mat is awareness, first of all, of being really aware and being educated, being curious enough to want to know more about yoga. So if you are that person that's been going to class a lot and you are just being guided, which is beautiful through the poses and your breath and you leave class and you're like, all right, it was a great workout and stretch and I'm good. Um, I'd like to think that most yoga teachers out there are providing a little bit of inspiration, sharing some lessons that are coming from, from yoga texts or philosophies, but it, I know it's not always happening. Um, so awareness and curiosity are, are the start of stepping off the mat and into your life. And really, it's, it's about being the authentic version of you that I think yoga, a steady mm -hmm. practice, can help bring to the surface and if we think of all the things throughout our days that we're doing and seeing and you know are we walking around because we have this title that we wear all day are we even showing up authentically and I see it a lot not happening um, and I think that yoga can also help that and, and that to me is living yoga once you can feel the practice uh, take over those labels and titles and help you feel more revealed so when you're not on a yoga mat all of a sudden you're like, wow, I just spoke up when I normally wouldn't have spoken up or wow, my body feels awesome. And now I'm walking through my day with my head held high and I'm actually breathing bigger and my stress has gone down and I'm noticing I'm responding to situations versus lashing out in situations. And um, I think it will gradually happen as long as you can start to, to peel away some of the layers too whether it's through yoga, to me, a lot of that actually happens physically through running and other forms of exercise. So it's also not about just getting on a yoga mat to live yoga. It's about, uh, I believe, getting in your body and also spending time with yourself so you can get into your mind. And then, then the other parts of yoga start to show up. Mm, yes. Spending time with yourself. I've been having that conversation with so many people lately because it's something that, um, you know, we don't always want to do because sometimes <laughs> spending time with yourself, like stuff comes up and it's uncomfortable stuff. And, um, you know, challenging ourselves to like actually be with ourselves and see what we truly want. And sometimes what we truly want is stuff that's completely opposite of what's going on in our life. And I think, you know, just honoring that and seeing that that takes courage and then trying to go about and actually make those changes takes even more courage. And so sometimes I think we just shove it down and we just don't want to look at it. So I totally think that those times just to, you know, be with yourself and, oh, it's so important. Yeah. And I'm always telling folks, like, I feel like I've been telling folks lately that I, I think I'm an old Indian guru, like reincarnated because I hold, <laughs> I hold the, the essence of yoga so close to my heart. And 
it's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And I think that's been lost a lot in translation, oh, especially yeah. in the US. And you know, when you get to that feeling, to me, just thinking about yoga, like hits me so deep in my core. Like there are these ties to the past that other forms of exercise can't necessarily do. Um, at least for me and running also, I think that's why I love it so much. It's so primal. It's something that our bodies it can be built to do can, if we have, you know, the right, the right body, I guess. <laughs> the, there's so many things these days that people are running into in their, in their limitations physically, but a healthy body, I believe is, um, is ready to walk or run in any, any given moment, ideally. Um, and same with yoga. I think we have it inside our DNA to, to be yogis. And, uh, and I think that alone time is crucial. And, it's been really cool as I started teaching teacher trainings this past year. So I've taken groups of people now through the process of becoming yoga teachers. And even that alone is such a, a process for someone to step into the voice of being a yoga teacher. And I think that this is also a necessary movement as yoga teachers to make sure that we are showing up authentically so that we can inspire the folks in our classes to do so. So it's really this, this, it's a tender subject sometimes because I think there are a lot of yoga teachers out there just showing up and going through the motions. But I think um, it needs to be remembered that people are looking up to us. They're watching our every move. move. It's the idea of who are you and no one is watching. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that can come up too. the more time you can spend in, in not necessarily silence, but by yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that's, you know, one thing to do is, I think there's so many of us who are just burning the candle at both ends. Like we're just exhausted because we're just go, 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 um, you know, hard job. And then you want to do a killer workout. And then basically you're trying to kind of live like that perfect life from the outside, but really you're just exhausted. Um, yeah. you know, how do you, you know, kind of help women, you know, cause I think a lot of women do it, you know, men do it too, but you know, mostly it's women who listen to the podcast. Um, you know, how do we kind of help chill out? Like, and yeah. relax. Like, I think that's so hard for us to do lately. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I did a bunch of webinars last year. I feel like I did more than I was ready to do, but I just kept getting inspired to share stuff. And one of them was how to chill the F out. Mm -hmm. And it was because I was seeing it far too often that people just didn't know how to chill out. And I live in a town, I live in Sarasota, Florida, and there's a lot of wealth here and not to stereotype, but if you're driving, you know, a six figure <laughs> valued car the problems that i hear people complain about mm. it's like it's that whole it's that true first world problem thing and mm. so it was really obvious last year um to me that there was even just in my circles here locally like wow can you can we be reminded of of gratitude can we be reminded of you know you can have the expensive stuff i don't care about that but it's being appreciative for it and rooting to those feelings of gratitude and rooting back into those feelings of, you know, in your core that you're being taken care of always. And, you know, the stuff that seems to stress people out, no matter what car you drive, uh, usually it's surface level stuff and it's stuff that is layered on because we let it layer on. And I think the chill out can happen again, awareness first, that is being mindful, being aware of what's going on in your body, what's going on in your mind. And when you can, look at you first, then you start to realize that it's not necessarily the external things that are happening, but it's how you're handling them. And, and from time to time, it is, like you said, burning the candle at both ends, trying to do too much. So I think when I first talk to people that obviously need a chill out, um, it is making them pause. It's making them 
take a moment to sit with what's going on physically, mentally, emotionally, taking some deep breaths mm -hmm. and then moving from the inside out and filling, filling back up with gratitude, recognizing what you have in the moment is all that you need. And when people can start to really dissect their day and dissect their sources of stress and remember that like this too shall pass that most situations that are stressful from the outside in they're they're going to pass no matter what everything's always changing so um i hope that explained it a little bit but i do believe that awareness and pausing taking some breaths and focusing on you is really the root of chilling out because then once you you can separate yourself from the stuff that you think is actually stressing you out yes that is something that um, you know, speaking from like being a mom of like a two-year-old now, um, <laughs> have their little tantrums and, um, throwing their little fits. And one thing that I've been working on with my son, which he actually does now, which is super cute. So this is like, I mean, we started doing this at probably like 18 months, so it's never too young to teach him this. But one thing that I do with him is like a cleansing breath that we do in yoga. So I'm just like, Ah, and so he'll do that. Like he did that out of the blue the other day. And so I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Like he's like, must need calming down. And like, he understands like, okay, before I get worked up, just take a nice deep breath. Yeah. And so like, sometimes like little things like that, that you can teach them, you know, little kids to help calm themselves down, let alone you, plus, you know, cause you're getting worked up as your child's getting worked up. So both of you just taking some nice cleansing breaths together, like yeah. kind of everyone just, okay, let's relax. Let's, you know, breathe in deep. Cause a lot of us are shallow breathers and don't breathe into the belly. And so just taking the time to just slow down and then that helps kind of reprocess the brain. Um, so that's a quick tool that I like to use for, you know, anyone who has little kids who is like, oh my gosh, what to do in those frantic moments? Like that works breathing deep. Those yes. practices. And if they're older, you know, even having them express some gratitude, I think, you know, like four or five year old would understand like, Hey, you know, what am I grateful for? And they'd be able to tell you something. Yes. Well, and just what you said, I, I did an interview series last year and I talked to 25 plus people that were just experts in meditation and mindfulness and doing big things, just sharing global, global projects with people. Um, I mean, it was such a cool panel that I had and when I ask them all the same question of what's the one little final nugget or token that you want to make sure people hear from you, if they forget everything else, what would it be? And I'm pretty certain I'd have to go back through and, and double check, but I'd say it was either gratitude or breath for about 90% of them. Wow. Gratitude, breathing, pausing and breathing. <laughs> so, I mean, it almost became comical because I could like almost guess what they were going to say when I'd ask them that question. But it's like so simple and it's these things that are free and we can all do them at any time and they're going to change your body. They're going to change your life, like feeling the gratitude and taking those cleansing breaths. So um, I think we overcomplicate things a lot and we think that we have to have this incredible meditation practice and we've got to dive into all this fitness and we've got to eat right and we've got to go to yoga because everybody else is going to yoga and it can be so overwhelming and really the simplest medicine is there. Like, always. And to me, that's a great relief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something else that I try to work with people on too. Cause I think sometimes we get stuck in the mentality of, Oh, it has to be an hour long to count, whatever it might be we mm -hmm. have to meditate for, you know, 30 minutes. And then we have to sit and journal for half an hour. We have to have our hour to make it count. And then an hour workout or at least an hour of a yoga practice, you know, and I'm just trying to help people be like, no, like five minutes. Yeah. 
you got five minutes, like yeah. five minutes of a workout, got 30 seconds, just take a few deep breaths. That's your meditation practice, you know, and just mm. kind of flipping all of that stuff on its head to show people, no, it really is quite accessible and we don't have to like, what is it quote unquote counting for, you know? Like, yeah. Nobody's counting. Like, right. Who's count. counting? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We do it to ourselves. And when we realize that the freedom is there to, to switch at any given moment, like all the stress and pressure, like we're most of the time we're doing it to ourselves. And there are those random situations where it might be out of your control for, for a minute, but yeah, it's crazy what we do. And I think females do it maybe more than males. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just cause we're just so much in our heads, I think a lot more than males, they're just like decision mm-hmm. done. Whereas we're like decision, is it done? <laughs> you know, we just start doubting ourselves. You know? Yeah. Just making sure we're like, no decision done moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, yeah. So I know that you have um, a special ebook for everyone um, who is listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about that ebook? Yes. So this ebook was a really cool passion project of mine. If you remember back in September of 2017, there was a hurricane that hit Florida and my boyfriend and I jetted out of town and it was such a bizarre thing to go through. You know, imagine your house potentially being just destroyed oh. and all your belongings gone. And I'd never been through that before in Missouri tornadoes growing up, but never having go through, I've never been hit by one. So mm-hmm. Here in Florida, we left and it was this really bizarre thing of, you know, do we stay? Do we go? What do I grab? And I grabbed all my technology stuff, my laptop, my uh, iPad and all, and some, some tokens of, you know, relatives and things. And we left. And on this 14-hour car ride, we were already going to go to Missouri anyway. But I decided, okay, I'm doing a lot of things right now to keep me from freaking out. I bet there's a lot of people that could use this. Mm -hmm. So here I am stuck in a car, me, my boyfriend and our car of what could be our only belongings Mm -hmm. driving. And I was using breathing. I was using gratitude. I was closing my eyes and doing little mini meditations. And I was literally just sitting in a car whenever I could get out and stretch, I'm doing some yoga. And so I wrote this book along the way and I Irma induced, I suppose, little (laughs) project. And I'm really proud of it. I I think it's one of the best little things I've created and it's showing how accessible meditation is. So it's, you know, meditation hacks for modern, um, modern living or modern survival, however you want to look at it. And it really just talks you through all the little moments throughout your days that you already have that are meditative that you just may not realize. And my meditation teacher is Lauren Roche. That's L O R I N R O C H E. He's just amazing. And that's a lot of his teaching to me, um, what you'll see in this ebook. So it's really all about just delighting in the senses, delighting in the moment. Uh, what would you spend all of your time with if there was you know, one memory, one person, one thing, and letting your mind play in that. Um, so there's that. I talk about different ways to use smells and tastes and things um, using movement, using yoga. And there's also a little sheet in the back that at any given moment when you're stressed out, you can use a little template to really coach yourself. It's like a self-coaching tool, like how to ride the wave of stress. And um, yeah, so it's fun and colorful and it's for everybody free. I love it. I love it. And I'll have the link to that in the show notes. And I believe it's at just your website, rebeccamars.com backslash peaceful podcast. So in case yes. anyone's looking to where to find it, but I'll put a link there and the show notes in case anyone is wondering is at Andrea Clausen 
facebook.com backslash podcast. Let me look up. It's going to be number 131, I believe. So in case anyone's wondering where it's at. Very good. Um, Thank you. Yes, no problem. Uh, and then final few questions. So is your website the best place for people to connect with you at? Totally. So my website has a submission form where it's going to link to my email. Um, you can also email me hello at rebeccamars.com. Um, I'm also all about the social medias. I love Facebook and Instagram. So you can just search my name, which is R-E-B-E-K-K-A Mars. And I have a yoga based coaching page as well as my personal page, which I'm always accepting friends that I don't necessarily know. So you friend request <laughs> me Instagram. I'm at Becca blue. I love Instagram. I love sharing, you know, my world through pictures and also you know, providing a lot of great little readable things there too. So yeah, reach out. I love connecting. I love talking about this stuff. I offer free conversations always. So if you want to hop on the phone, I can also, um, my booking link is probably there, but if you're not seeing anything open, just send me an email and we can also do the phone call thing. Perfect. That sounds awesome. Well, I always like to end with one final question. When I have guests on, I have you guys throw out a little weekly challenge to all the listeners. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Ooh, a weekly challenge. I would say taking pauses throughout each day, especially when things start to get a little swirly, stressy, taking a true pause, like stopping in your tracks. You can open or close your eyes, take a deep breath and check that you're moving from a place of authenticity. Like the whole idea, like keeping the words in mind, like who am I when no one is watching mm. and letting that slow your roll a little bit, letting you reconnect to who do you really want to show up as and realizing that sometimes a few deep breaths can refocus. So yeah, take some deep breaths, take some pauses, especially in those moments when it may not seem like a pause is doable. Usually that's when you need them the most. I love it. I love that. I'm writing that down. It's a good one. Uh, thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been such a pleasure to get to chat with you. Um, I'm super excited to connect with you and, um, Definitely. I'll have to have you back on because I'm like, oh, we can go in some other direction. <laughs> I know. We get to yes. talk. No, thank you so much. This was, oh. this was fun. Yeah. And I feel like although we're just now meeting, we, we have so much in common. Stars I align. It's I great. know. I was like, yes. So after we're done recording, we'll have to chat some more. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. And I want everyone to go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.